Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Uh, so if you guys, uh, if someone here, if God came to you maybe today or tonight and, and told you to go to a foreign land to uh, cry against that, that people, would you go? If, uh, if someone here today, if maybe God commanded you to go to maybe a wicked people, an evil people, and and uh, called you to tell them of his wrath coming against them, that they should repent and turn around, would you go to that people? Would you be willing to be sent as God's spokesperson? What if God called you to go to somebody that was your enemy? Somebody that left a wound in your life? Somebody that hurt your family, or maybe caused your people to suffer, had done evil against you and yours. Would you go then? Jonah said no. Jonah said no. I'm not going to those people, the Ninevites. I'm not going to take your word to them. I'm not going to call them to repentance. I'm not going to give them an opportunity to experience your mercy and your forgiveness. No. We saw last week as we started the book of Jonah how Jonah went west when God said go east. When God called him up into his work and into his plans, Jonah went down. When, when God invited him into his, his, to, into his presence and, and God called him to go in the power of the Lord, Jonah did everything he could to depart from the presence of the Lord, to hide from God, to not obey. So we're, we're in this, this strange book of this strange prophet of God. Whoever heard of a man of God disobeying God? Whoever heard of a prophet of God called by God refusing to do God's work? God says, take my word to them. Take my commandments to them. Take my character to them. Reveal to them that I'm against them because of their sin. <clears throat> Tell them that if they repent, however, if they change their wicked ways, I will have mercy on them. And Jonah said, no. If God called you to go, Jonah's, uh, we speculated a little bit about Jonah last week. What kind of trauma had he and his people been through at the hands of the Assyrians? What kind of evils did he see his family go through? Atrocities? What kind of wickedness did, did his, uh, his nation experience to this point? Maybe he has good reason not to go. Maybe in your mind you, you say, well, I, I could go, but I've got this business i got to run. I've got these commitments I've made. I've got people counting on me here. Maybe, there, maybe there's all kinds of reasons that could pile up in your mind to say, no, I, I can't go, but could you say no 
For the Lord God Almighty is he called. And what would God do if he said no? Who would go to the Ninevites? It's not you. Jonah, we left last week with Jonah being cast into the sea. What happened to Jonah as he ran from God? Please open your Bibles to Jonah. Chapter 1, verse 17, please. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me, and all your waves and your billows passed over me. And I said, I am driven away from your sight, and I shall look upon your holy temple again. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of your mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, and you brought up my life from the pit. O oh Lord, my God, when my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Truly those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Jonah has been running from God. Jonah has at every turn said no to God. God kept pursuing him because God wanted the best for Jonah. God cared for Jonah. God wanted Jonah to participate in his plan and his purposes. Jonah kept running. We, we, we read last week in chapter 1. He ran to Joppa. He ran to Tarshish. As far as, the, as far as away as you could get from the presence of the Lord in his mind. He kept running. He, he kept hiding himself. He went down into the belly of the boat. And he's hiding from God. Supposedly hiding from the presence of the Lord. God keeps chasing him. God keeps coming after him. God keeps pursuing him. He comes to Jonah in the voice of the, of the storm. Jonah knows that God is speaking to him to stop, to turn around, to get right with the Lord again. Jonah comes to the ship and he's hiding. He's, he's, he's not praying. He's not talking to God. He's, he does wants nothing more to do with God. But the captain, God comes to Jonah and the captain. What are you doing? Get up and pray. Arise. God comes to Jonah and the casting of the lots, and the lot fell, falls to him. And Jonah knows God's talking to him. Jonah knows he's been called again. He keeps, he keeps running away. He keeps hiding. Jonah finally gets to the point of saying, I guess the only way I'm going to be separate from the Lord is if I die. So Jonah, you can call it mental illness. You can call it... Rebellion to the nth degree, you can call it chaos in his mind. 
He's of, he's of the mind that peace will be found away from the Lord. He's of the mindset that harmony and peace and satisfaction and what he wants is outside of the presence of the Lord, even forever outside the presence of the Lord. So he tells the sailors to cast him into the sea. Does God abandon Jonah then? Does God give up his call on Jonah then? No. The most famous part of the book of Jonah is a fish swallowed Jonah. And so we come into the realm of miracles, we come into the realm of the wonder and awe of God and His creation. God made everything, the heavens and the earth, it all belongs to Him, even the fish of the sea. Uh, this, this morning I, I was just kind of ruminating on some of these things, and uh, you don't have to turn there, but there's, there's so many scriptures that talk about God using His creation, and the creation worshiping Him, the creation doing what He says, because He's the Creator. It seems that the only creature, other than some of the fallen angels that rebel against God, are people. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Hear, O heavens, and give ears, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me, speaking to Israelites. However, the ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know my people they do not understand. So Isaiah starts his preaching off by saying, man, the, the ox knows his master. The ox listens. But do my people listen? Do they obey? No. He starts off his preaching in that book that way. And then Jeremiah, verse 7, Even the stork in the heavens knows her times, and the turtle doves swallow and praying, keep the time of their coming. My people do not know the rules of the Lord. And, and you, you know, blew through, through Scripture, remember, uh, the donkey spoke at God's command. The donkey preached against the prophet in Numbers. Uh, in Daniel, the, the lion's mouths were shut. The hungry, starving lions were to tear Daniel up. God shut the lion's mouth. And so we see creation. Everything's at his command. Everything's obeying him. Even the sea creatures. I suppose if Jonah would at his time have found, found a way to to flee into the sky, God would have found a way to rescue Jonah with some kind of a bird, or birds. But he went to the sea, and so God sent a fish. Now, the miracle isn't that a fish could swallow Jonah. There's plenty of fish in the sea that could swallow a, a man. The miracle that he lives is what is preached here. The, the miracle is that somehow... Three days and three nights, if that's a literal time frame, that he wasn't digested by the fish. There's been in church history some comical pictures of Jonah being all, after he spit out on the, on the shore, all bleached out. <laughs> the stomach acids had eaten all his pigmentation away. But the miracle is that God kept Jonah safe in the fish. That he lived through the fish. And that the fish brought him to dry ground. And the, the miracle, the, the understanding of our God, how a God who is holy, 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 how he deals, and he, how he's patient, how he's kind to rebels. How the Nineveh and Jonah did not cause Jonah to be smote. The Nineveh and Jonah, the, the brokenness of Jonah, did not cause Jonah to be left alone in the sea to drown and to die. 
that in his rebellion and his anger at God, his frustration at the God he thought he knew, the God that he characterized in a certain way, how he rebelled against him, how God did not blow him up. God did not let him become fish food permanently. Isn't God incredible that all of us Ninevites, he gives us time to repent? All of us sinners who would demand our own way, our own agenda, our own way of living this life, he keeps calling us and calling us to repent and turn to him. His long-suffering is amazing. His patience with, with his people is astounding. How many times has he called us to go and we said no? How many times has he commanded and we've said, not today, Lord? How many times have we rejected the word of God in our life because we had a better agenda, we had a better plan, we had a better future in mind, as if the Lord God Almighty doesn't know the best for us? Forgive us, Lord. Have mercy, God. Have mercy on us. Well, Jonah finds mercy in the belly of a fish. God, the great lover, God, the great giver, God, the great savior, in his tender mercy, in his harsh mercy, the gift of mercy, how many times has he sent fish into our lives to carry us as in a womb, safe and protected. How many times has God sent people into our life or churches into our life or community into our life to carry us through our craziness and our foolishness? When we've walked away from the Lord, how many times has God come again and again and somehow brought salvation and brought deliverance and brought rescue? He's such a great God. He is our Lord, our God. Salvation is from the Lord. But Jonah's prayer, really fascinating how this plays out. Four chapters of, of mostly prose, mostly narrative. That chapter two is uh, the genre of, of poetry, of song. And you know from your studies in the Old Testament how... When you read through the book of Genesis, especially at the beginning, how there's, there's this prose, there's the narrative, and all of a sudden there's some poetry that pops up. And we're meant by the author to see with poetry, it's like a, a, a different tone of music. It's like a, a, a major key turning into a minor key or something like that. It's like, and then, oh, let's pay attention now. So Jonah's prayer, we're meant to pay attention and listen. A uh, fascinating part about this prayer is every, every line is from a different part of the book of Psalms. Every part of it is from a different part of literature in the Old Testament. Uh, the liturgy that comes to us in song and, and scripture, uh, Jonah has apparently memorized it. It, it. He's expressing his heart, he's expressing his emotions in the language of his people. In other words, when we get to chapter 2, this isn't the first time that God's people has run away. This isn't the first time that God's people have departed from the Lord. There's language in the Psalms. There's holy music that Jonah's memorized that he could apply to his situation. And so the preaching of Jonah, the writing of Jonah to the people of Israel and to God's church is a 
remembrance. God having mercy. A remembrance of God's people always running and always leaving, and yet God being patient enough to call them back to repentance. When we look at Jonah, aren't we looking into the mirror? When we look at Jonah, in, in Jonah's face, and we see his heart, haven't we said no to God again and again and again? And yet the mercy of God. Listen to Jonah's prayer again. Verse 2, the summary statement. I called out to the Lord, Yahweh. He, he, remember last week, he's the, the, the God of the heavens, the creator of the sea and the land. His covenant name, Yahweh, out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, you heard my voice. Now notice how Jonah describes his, his journey. The, uh, the belly of the fish, in, in one sense, became the belly of the grave, Sheol. It's a place of death, and yet a place of life. The place of death, the place that has gone, where Jonah's gone down, down, down. Even God is there. And I don't know about you, I don't know where you've been, I don't know where you are today. But as someone who God has chosen and God has called into his kingdom, God has called into his family, it's, it's not impossible that you are on a journey of departing from the presence of the Lord. It's not impossible that even today you, maybe you're not even realizing it, have walked away from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, where you have been rebelling and rejecting Him and thinking that your ways are much better than His. But the, the testimony of Scripture is, is consistent. Again and again, Scripture tells us that when we depart the presence of the Lord, when we go away from His plan, when we sin, Nothing good comes of that. Leaving the presence of the Lord, leaving God's way of life, leaving the covenant stipulations, leaving the covenant commandments, leaving the way, leaving the way of salvation is always ruinous. And yet Jonah says, when I was in that belly of death, I called out and God met me. I called out and God heard my cry. So you got to know today. Maybe, maybe you got to know two years in the future. Maybe, maybe life is going to get a hold of you in some way. Maybe you're going to get twisted, bent out of shape or something. Maybe you're going to have a bird under your saddle and you're just going to get offended and irritated by God's ways. Maybe you're just going to, maybe you're just going to go off the, 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 you know, go off the reservation, so to speak. Maybe you're going to leave God's, God's purposes and ways. You're just going to get angry and frustrated. Maybe, however, this, this preaching right now is for you to remember, even as you go far from the Lord, if God allows you to go far and He's still calling you back, it, He's a prayer away. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's speaking this to His people. And maybe this is you if you are in the shackles of addiction. If you're tied to a past that you can't seem to escape, if you're walking in evil ways because you can't seem to break out of them, Jonah's testimony to you, Israel's testimony to you, is God keeps coming until you turn to Him 
Trust Him as your source of life. He won't stop. God heard His voice. Whose voice, whose voice is my voice? Whose voice is your voice? In the scheme of things, in, in the eternity of things, are we significant at all? And yet God Almighty, maker of the galaxies, He hears our voice. It seems to be a bigger miracle than a fish eating a man. But God would hear my cry. He does. Jonah's prayer, again, quoting from different psalms, pulling together different voices, amalgamation of Israel's past, their emotions, their feelings, their losses, their victories. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, verse 3, and the flood surrounded me. So he's, he's recounting as he went down, as they threw him in the sea, how he's dropping down in the sea. The waves of God, the billows, the current passed over him, the, the river in the ocean, the, the current in the ocean is moving him around. He has no control. He's lost. He said, I'm driven away from your sight. And yet there's a point there where he wants to look again at, at God. He wants to go, come back into the God's presence. But the waters closed in over me, verse 5. And they, they took my life. And they were taking my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. You can see the picture, can't you? Hopelessness. Darkness. As you sink down into the sea, it gets darker and darker and darker. As you sink down into your sin and rebellion, it gets darker and darker. And you become entrapped in it. And it's like seaweed wrapping you up. And you have no hope left. In verse 6, I went down to the roots of the mountain. Again, poetically, how many times did Israel depart from God and they found themselves far from Yahweh's presence? How many times have we gone away from God and we, we woke up one morning or one night out of our stupor and we said, I'm lost. How did I get here? Verse 6, the, the way the poetry it comes to a head... In verse 6, a climax, as you were, the lowest point becomes the point of, of transition for Jonah, at least in this sense. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. All the different ways that the writer uses contrast, and all the different ways that the writer uses um, a picturesque kind of... Uh, uh, lining things up together that shouldn't be. Verse 6, he pictures Sheol. You know, Sheol in different places in the Bible, it's the grave. It's, it's the place in the psalm, psalmetry that nobody wants to go to. It's a dark, cloudy place in the Old Testament. Um, the, the psalmist said, I can't worship you in the land of the living. Please don't send me to Sheol. Don't send me to the grave. And here Jonah pictures Sheol, the grave, as, as a prison with bars. As a fortress that if the bars are set, if the door is shut, he's never going to get out of. He's gone down in the shield. But that very moment when he cries out to God, when his attention turns to God, verse 7, when my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came to you in your holy temple. So here's he's, go, he's going down and he prays and then suddenly the Lord is lifting him up. He's going down. And the same thing happens again and again and again to repentant sinners. They, they get trapped. They, get, they go down in the darkness. Their life is a mess. Everything is crashing and burning in their life. But yet when they turn back to the Lord, they trust in the Lord, the poetry says it's like going up again. 
he called to the Lord in his holy temple. He wasn't, call, he wasn't talking about the temple in Jerusalem. He was talking about the King of Kings and his eternal heavenly throne. That's how much God cares about you. That's how much God thinks of you. That's how much God is present to you. Even though he lives in the highest of highest of heavens. Holy, holy, holy. And, and, and nothing can come close to him except the angels he allows in his presence. He cares for you and I and he's listening. We're slow to pray. He's quick to hear. Isn't that amazing? We, we in our stubbornness, we're slow to move back to God. We're slow to call on him. We're slow to ask for his help. But he's right there always listening. He wants communion with you. He wants community with you. He wants to be present to you always. I thank God for a God who hears cries of sinners. Like Jonah, like me, like you. Uh, his prayer went up and he was he was saying that apparently it's hard to say there's almost like there's almost two, two prayers here the way the authors laid, laid it out. Jonah's in the belly of the fish that he recounts the time when he was about to die when he prayed and at that point apparently the fish came and swallowed him. You ever been fishing and then you throw that fly out there or that lure out there? It doesn't take long for a fish to swallow nothing. It's like poof, like that. that. That's kind of their business is to yeah. eat stuff fast. And so the, the miracle that I, that I see here, it, it, again, the, the picture of how long beforehand did God appoint the whale to come, or the fish? The fish is not a mammal, so some say it can't be a whale, but others say, no, it's a whale, it's, it's, it's poetry, deal with it. I don't know what it was, but the, the fish came, and, and how long did that fish, like a submarine, swim under the boat at God's command, waiting? For the, the, the guy to start sinking down into, the, into the, the depths. God spoke and the fish acted. And, and by God's grace, when Jonah prayed, God grabbed a hold of him. So over the centuries, uh, uh, people have read this book and they, they've tried to articulate it. It's like Jonah's sheol, his grave in the belly, really what it is, it's a wound. Waiting to take Jonah where God wants him to go, a safe place, a protected place. The whole book, Jonah's trying to find a safe place where, where he thinks he doesn't have to do God's will. He's, he's hiding all the time, and now he, he, tried to, he tried to hide in the sea, but the sea was a place of death, and when he prayed, God took him. But now, God, he's in God's presence, and once again, he has no control. And so, the, the step back a little farther, he's praying, and then we get to verse 8. Uh, and here's where it gets really interesting. Jonah begins to testify. Jonah begins to preach <laughs> in the midst of the whale. He says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. <laughs> Remember back in chapter 1 where uh, the, the sailors kind of get Jonah where they want him, and they, they cast the lot, like, who are you, where do you come from, what's, what's your business, etc., etc. God's asking those questions to the sailors. He's put on the spot, and he says, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord. I worship the Lord. Have you ever been around certain people, certain Christians, where they say, I'm a follower of Christ, and then you look at their life, and you're like, no, you don't. If that's following Christ, I don't want to have anything to do with it. 
Jonah, hypocrite Jonah, when he's put on the spot, when, when he's been running from God, when he's been doing evil against God, when he doesn't want to do God's will, he says, I fear the Lord, brother. And here in chapter 2, is it the same irony that the author is bringing to us? Is it the same kind of fake piety, the pretending out of emotion, where Jonah is saying, hey, anybody who walks away from the Lord and goes to idols, they'll never know the steadfast love of the Lord like I do. Amen, brother? Or this, this, this second section here, uh, I, with the voice of thanksgiving, oh God, all the people are watching me, oh God, I, with the voice of thanksgiving, I will praise you. I'll worship you. Woo! Salvation belongs to the Lord. Right, brother? It's uh, almost enough when you see hypocrisy or you see somebody that's just pretending, it's almost enough to make you sick, isn't it? It's almost enough to turn your stomach. Has God set up this story? Has God set up this historical account that took place to show His desirous He's desirous of our true heart. He's telling the story of Jonah. Why, why is this story in the Bible? Why is this account in the Bible? Could it be that he wants us to learn from Jonah's mistakes and Jonah's, Jonah's errors? It, it, it's almost like the way this happens. He saves Jonah and then instead of repenting, Jonah says, yeah, thank you, God. Woo, you're awesome, God. I'm, I'm going to start worshiping you. I'm going to start doing this or that. And notice that Jonah hasn't repented yet. Jonah's just thankful we'll to be saved. But does he have an intention of doing God's will? I don't think so. And so uh, notice that when Jonah prays to God like this, God doesn't answer. God just speaks to the fish. And the fish does what God tells him to do. And what does the fish do to Jonah? He barfs Jonah up. Can you say barf in church? I think you can. He vomits Jonah up. And, and, and uh, people have said, when they read this story before, it's like, like the fish is so sick of Jonah being fake, he gets sick to his stomach and barfs him up. Has, is that what, I mean, could we expect, what do we expect, you know, God could have told the fish, go and open your mouth and let Jonah walk out. Or, or go and open your mouth and just cough a little bit. Vomits him. You see, isn't it, isn't it the case as we look in this mirror of Jonah and we see ourselves, aren't we a people oftentimes that are so grateful for our salvation? We're so grateful for what God has done for us. Man, the Lord has done good things for me. Amen? Woo! Uh, hey, Jerome, have you, have you followed God's commandment in that area? No, but God loves me. Praise God. Uh, Jerome, really, uh, God said to go there and do that. And No. But I fear the Lord. I'm in the family of God. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And you see how over time when we get into that mode of Pretending well, that might make God sick. And the Father who disciplines those whom He loves might come to us and discipline us 
to call us back to reality. Oh, the grace of God, the, the mercy of God, the kindness of God. He wants Jonah to go to Nineveh. What does that tell you about God? Now, now certainly the cry of Nineveh is the cry of repentance. Go, go tell them that they're wicked in my sight. Go tell those Ninevites that they're evil. And if they don't turn, they're going to burn. Uh, and, and Jonah, whatever his issues with Nineveh, Nineveh are, he says no. But do you hear the heart of God there? God will be just. Every sin in this, this universe will be accounted for. The God of justice will make sure every sin gets its pay, gets its due. Gets justice will be done, and yet God's heart, even though He will bring justice, He will bring His wrath, His hatred of sin against all sin. It's not where God wants to camp. He wants to camp with mercy. He wants to come to people. He wants them to repent. He wants people to turn to Him and live for Him and love Him. God's mercy, His heart for the Ninevites is one of mercy. And when His man of God, when His prophet, when the, when, the, when the guy says, I'm a follower of you, God, I'll go anywhere with you, when he says no because he doesn't want to have mercy, the contrast is great. God's mercy for people. God wants all to come to repentance. He doesn't want anybody to perish. And then Jonah says, oh yeah, let them perish. But I'm your follower. But there's a great gap there. Why is this in the Bible? Could God be preaching to us through Jonah? Now Jonah's kind of like one of those characters, like, why is he in the Bible? Kind of like, kind of like uh, Samson. You know, there's just so, so, there's several characters in there that they don't have God's heart. They could care less about God, they, but God uses them. God gives them incredible gifts, and they keep going their own way. They keep living in selfishness. And, and Jonah, he seems to be living in selfishness still. He's like, thank you, God. I appreciate you saving me. I love it. Woo! I'm going to tell people how you saved me. And he says, salvation's from the Lord, except for the Ninevites. Ooh, how God's stomach turned at that. I saved you by grace and grace alone, and yet you won't share my gospel with those people who need it or they're going to perish. You're happy to receive my salvation. You're happy to receive my love, but you won't tell others that it's available for them too? I've forgiven you much, and yet you won't forgive someone else? Oh. And so, I imagine Jonah on the shore, just covered with whale vomit. Maybe the crows and the birds are coming and having a feast. And he's at a moment of recalibration. He's at a moment of transformation. He's at a moment of what now? Because he knows God's going to call him again. Will he go? Will he obey? The question comes to us again. If God called you to go to the Ninevites, would you go? If God called you to go to those business partners that cheated you out of so much money, would you go? If God called you to go to the ones that were sexually immoral, 
if God calls you to go to the ones that are guilty of child abuse, if God calls you to go to the terrorists, if God calls you to go to, you fill in the blank. Would you obey? Knowing how much he's forgiven you? Would you say no to God? They don't deserve it. When you've been the recipient of undeserved grace your whole life? Unfathomable. You can't find the depth of that brokenness as we who have received freely, if we don't freely go, if we don't say, here am I, send me, Lord, do we get it? Do we grasp the gospel? Do we grasp the mercy of God? Do we grasp how good God is? Church, look into Jonah. If you see your face there, repent. If you've been the one running from God's commandments, repent. If you've been the one leaving God behind because you had a better connotation of what God should be, repent. Uh, the, the, the hypocrisy, is, Jonah's like saying, uh, those who pay regard to vain idols, what has Jonah done? He's made an idol out of God in his own image. God is this. God is merciful. God wants to rescue the sinners. God gives grace to those who don't deserve it. But Jonah's over here saying, not my God. My God's going to judge. My God's going to blow people up. My God is a God of vengeance who wants to destroy the Ninevites. He's made an idol. He's made a God of his own reckoning. And yet he says, man, those who, don't, uh, those who worship idols, they miss out on God's goodness and grace. God, God calls them to repent. Is that you? Have you, have you been, like our culture, our culture loves to take uh, a smorgasbord of ideas about God and make up their own God. I'm spiritual. This is the God I worship. What about the God of the Bible? I'm spiritual. I, I like this part of God. I like this, this emotion. I like, I like this trait. What about the God who is and was and who will be? Have you bowed the knee to Him? He is God. There's only one God. And He calls us to conform to His idea of life. He calls us to conform to His ways. And guys, that's the way of life. We start making God the way we want God to be. We start shaving off truths or removing aspects of God that we don't like. We're going down, down, down. We do a creation and a brokenness and a death of our own making. But if we submit and we, we respond to the God who is in His ways, we obey Him as He commands. Worship means we're responding to the God who is, and, and we, we, we are abiding by His stipulations in the way things He wants, the way He wants things to be. We can have a false worship or a true worship. And Jonah has shown us the way that is false. Will we be a people that go with God and obey God no matter what? the kind of worshipers God seeks. On well, Ninevites who have received the mercy of God, who have been forgiven, who have come to salvation by the grace of God through Christ alone, can't we become the people who now go to Nineveh? Shouldn't we be the people that God has sent? 
to witness to the kingdom of God come in Jesus Christ. May we go. May we obey. May we be the people that glorify God in our worship. And may it be authentic and true by His grace and by His power. Go. That's the way of life. So I, I would say to somebody here that again, maybe you are not part of the people of God yet. Maybe you are not a worshiper of Jesus yet. Maybe you've been in the church but you've been posing, pretending, faking it. Maybe you've never really bowed the knee to Jesus. Maybe you've never really repented. Maybe you've never asked for forgiveness of sins. Maybe you've never come to God and repented and turned away from your wickedness and turned to Him and trusted Him. The story of Jonah, the account of Jonah, is that God hears. God is here now. It's never, never too late to turn around. It's never, never too late to come to God and give your life to the one who gave his life for you. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Turn to him right now. Trust in him and he will save you. To the church, the question again is posed. Will we be like Jonah, or will we be the people of Jesus? Maybe you don't have to turn here, but Luke chapter 24, verse 46. Jesus has risen from the dead at the end of Luke, and he's, just, he's ready to ascend to heaven. And he says to his church, Thus it is written, that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins to be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I'm sending you. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you to stand in the city until you're clothed with power and high. And so that early church, the, the twelve, they were given marching orders, the eleven at this point, they are given marching orders to go. You're going to be my witnesses. And we're all here today because they went. They started the process of salvation. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him after the Lord had risen from the dead and, and he started visiting before his ascension, they, they, the disciples came and asked him, Lord, are you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They're asking when the kingdom of God's going to come. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We, we call that Pentecost when the Spirit came upon the church. You and my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. God is always through, from the very beginning, you get going to Genesis, God's heart was for the descendants of Abraham to bless the nations. All the descendants of the world will be blessed by his people. Israel was sent to be a light to the nations to, to go and, and, and preach the gospel. Jesus came and, and he, he fulfilled Israel's failed calling. He completed it fully. And now God sends the church the Ninevehs of the world, to the Ninevehs across the street, to the Ninevehs that you work with, to the Ninevehs in your family, they're still lost. He calls us to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, 
in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. If God calls you to go, would you go? God is calling us to go. He's commanding us to go. He's commanding us to be bearers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only hope for the world. If the Ninevites don't hear the gospel, they will certainly experience God's wrath. We are called to go to seek and save the lost in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit. God called you to go. Wouldn't you go? Please stand in His presence. Lord God Almighty, I, I pray for us. I pray even right now that you would move upon upon us in each, each life here. Uh, Lord, we do pray that if anybody has not put their faith in you and, and confessed your name, repent of their sins and turn to you, that they would turn to you even right now, call out to you to be saved. Lord, I, I pray for the church, the, the family of God that you've made for yourself, Lord, by your blood. I, I pray that you would give us Lord, if, if we are Jonah-esque in our attitudes towards the world that you cause us to repent, if we are Jonah-esque in our, in our heart towards lost people, if we're just full of anger and rage and hatred that you cause us to repent, if we're living for vengeance for those people out there you cause us to repent, and you give us your heart, Lord, give, replace these hearts of stone with a, a heart of compare, compassion and love, that has to love, that merciful love that is yours, replace our worldliness with your holiness and your great compassion and mercy. Lord God, give us the grace to be faithful and obedient to go and share your love and share the gospel and share your salvation with a world that desperately needs it. May you be glorified as worshipers arise. May you be worshipped by more and more people as the days go on until your kingdom comes. May you be praised. May the chorus of praises arise as people turn to you and are saved as they hear your gospel and repent. God, we bless you today. Bless us to be a blessing for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.